The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, stereo pours, man. Healthy country club pours over there. <laughs> Bart, Bart clearly doesn't work in a tasting room. That is, I've always said that. You're, 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 what, you're, you'd be losing a lot of wine if you had a tasting what room. What we call cellar cellar um, pours, cellar pours. Well, there you go. Hey, uh, welcome to The Winemakers. I'm John Myers, and I'm with Bart Hansen and Sam Katori, and Brian is... Off on assignment he's, today. He's, his assignment is tripled today. Yeah, you got it right. So, well, hey, uh, a short um, holiday week show for us uh, today. Happy Happy July. Yeah, midsummer. Yeah. I mean, how nice is this today? My grandmother, Phil's mom, was a a a pessimist and b a elementary school teacher, and she would always say the day after Fourth of July, summer's over. <laughs> And, and you know, we always just put chocolate up to her being just a pessimistic person. Turns out that's very, like, teacher brain because really, like, you know, in a few weeks they'll all start planning for the year again and go back to work. That's so, right. Yeah, I mean, teachers so have shout a shout out to Fern, right. Fern Katuri, Mrs. Katuri, to right. those and, students and, at Bret Hart Elementary. And, 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 and to all those teachers out there. And all the teachers out there. Um, well, yeah, Dr- I mean, drink up this week. Right, exactly. <laughs> drink up. Um, and then reorder. And then reorder. <laughs> I mean, Good you idea. know, <laughs> after last week's podcast with Morgan, I mean, I think we could have just like not had another podcast. We could have broken it up somewhere in the middle and had part two. Like, well, like we're, if we were bedrock, bedrock conversations, we would do two parters. Instead, we'll just put out four hour you podcasts. Know, I went, it's I, like we're Joe Rogan. I went home and I listened to uh, that conversation that you guys were talking about. And, um, it was really well done. That's a nice. I like I like what they're doing. I mean, I Honestly. think I think what I liked about it is that we actually had a second podcast with someone, and we didn't even once like have to talk about um, what their past or you know how did they get into the business. You, you know what I mean? Right. We kind of skipped all. We, the... we skipped all of that. So for and here's where I'm going with it. My segue is for those of you who haven't heard the first episode with Morgan Twain Peterson. Master of Wine, Colonel, 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 Colonel. yes, um, Kentucky uh, you Colonel. You can check Absolutely. that out on um, on the podcast list. Uh, I think it was a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, maybe while we're here, I'll I'll look it up. Well, when we were uh, we were podcasting at the Roan Room, yeah, down those... on Broadway. Uh, boy, that takes me back. That's a long time ago, isn't it? Summer 2018, maybe spring 2018. <sighs> yeah, it's, yeah, I think so. I just know it's been a while. So. Of course, Chris was there also. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, the first time I met those guys. Well, and the the thing that everybody wants to know is, you know, what's going on with the weather and the water and uh, right. and the crops. So why don't we do a 
like U.S. Farm Report, <laughs> WGN in Chicago, man. That's an old, old, old show. My, my grandfather used to listen to that out in Iowa, man. Yeah. To see, to see if, stuff. If they well, they didn't irrigate the corn in Iowa, right? They just wait for the rain. That's it. They had plenty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but on the other hand, you know the soil conversation that we had last week, and thinking about the soils in Iowa on, on industrial farms, man, you know that's it's compacted with those giant tractors. They, you know, it's blown off. It's they put a lot of chemicals in in that and not the good kind they're right. not handling it in, in an organic fashion i'll tell you that well it's it's the the feedback loop and you know I, I think that one of the things that came up last week and and just sort of remains to be uh just so important to talk about is uh, everything that you take out of the soil means more that you're going to have to put in some other way and and the more that you have to do that, the more is depleted, the more you're going to have to put back in. And, you know, so for folks, you know, if you have healthy soil and decent wells, you know, that helps around here and, and, and some irrigation happening, um, you, you're going to survive a hot, dry summer like we have a lot better than if you, you know, even if you have a ton of water, but bad soil, um, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You're not holding any water. There's nothing, you know, it's, there's no naturally occurring soil moisture. There's no organic matter to, you know, to break down and release nutrients. It's just, um, you know, then you have to fertilize and then you have pest pressures and it just like, you know, compounds in, in every direction. If you have healthy soil, um, you're you're not watering as much. The water that you're putting out is going further. It's holding on longer. It's evaporating less, um, you know. So it's... Uh, well, what what Morgan was saying there, every percent you add of organic material just ups what it holds. Uh, the, water the numbers that he can like retain in his brain and then spit back out. And it's also one of those things where like, okay, we, you, you well, can't say it's not right because you don't know. But uh, uh, it is, what is he saying, like 24,000 gallons an uh, acre per 1% of organic yeah, matter or something like amazing. that? And it was amazing. Those you know, numbers, yeah. It just, uh, again... Um, if your soils are alive, you survive hardship like we have in a year like this more than if your soils, you know, are, are dead. And and in a challenging year, we always talk about challenging years being winemakers, vintages, right? You know, right. this is 100% of viticulture vintage. Right. You know, if your vines are healthy, you're going to you're going to withstand a drought like this um, better than if your vines are out of balance. Well, I think Phil first brought it up and used the term regenerative farming way back when, when we were broadcasting from inside the house instead of outside the house. And, you know, that's that's the one key. Your only asset as a farmer is your soil. And that's soil it. health and soil fertility. And you got to have both. Um, and it's for all crops, too. I mean... Stuff that I, I was just going to ask you about good, uh, good plant, um, organic stuff I can be putting in onto my plants at home, you know, because the, they're showing signs of it. We're using gray water on everything, uh, and you know, we've got tomatoes coming up and they're looking pretty good, and a bunch of other stuff. But over the summer, I'm a little worried about them, um, you know, and my cannabis plants, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing that at least around here for the pat you know we had a big that big heat spike 
what a week and a half ago ago. Um but we've really had a nice fog pattern yeah. in a way that like more than the last few years it seems and maybe I don't know I, I don't track it closely but it seems like we've had more foggier mornings so far you know through June we're now into July uh, than we did in in 20 and in 1917 maybe maybe 18 maybe 18 19 there was fog but 17 there definitely wasn't fog Correct. um so those are you know whether or not it actually adds so- water to your ground john those foggy mornings are just mean less you know less respiration coming out of those plants more more water staying in the leaves um so and I, my i don't know my garden looks pretty good um you know i water so i water pretty heavily so far i water a lot you know when you're growing vegetables yeah, when you're well, growing you know don't things yeah. that get water in, on my property or things that we eat and you know maybe a few flowers maybe some things that you smoke um but so you know, I don't feel bad about watering those things. It's not like you know, your lawn where you're going. Well, no, what a waste, man! I call water that's going into the air and into the ground, and and maybe you get to play on it, or mostly your dogs just pee on it. Um, so you know, I don't. <laughs> the, the lawn is dying, um, but we got you know, it's good to fertilize um, right around now, especially when we're this close to the solstice and you're getting so much sunlight. Um, this is definitely a good time to to put some fertilizer out there um you know we use fish emulsion um it's a basically is what it sounds like it's a a a fermentation of salmon fish byproducts (laughs) actually you know it's not salmon it comes from this guy um on the east coast who uh, he's involved in just sort of like the commercial fishing market um we buy enough fish emulsion from him for Enterprise Vineyards that he sends us like the best scallops on the <laughs> nice, planet. Nice, nice. He sends, you know, he sends us out to us. They're they must come frozen. I don't know, but they're amazing. Um, so I know that there's a fair amount of like shellfish that goes into this this, but it's you know this kind of like brown, thick, sticky, and and chocolate milk looking, not tasting or smelling uh, liquid of like fish fermented fish product. Right. Um, that plants just love that and um, it does smell just like it sounds yeah, oh yeah it smells can, like fish emulsion can i uh, get it at sonoma mission gardens <laughs> i'm sure they have yeah, some sort of like a, that. Yeah. yeah they have some sort of fish-based fertilizer for sure yeah. um you know You're, what i what i want to comment about the weather is is that first of all our um vegetable gardens are all in raised beds and this year i kind of questioned how much organic material I should have got in it, you know, in the soil right, that's right. been depleted. And and now when I look at my garden, I, I look at it and said it wasn't enough. And I didn't, I'm, I didn't put enough compost in and I'm having to water a lot more. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that it has been windier this year. And I right. think this has been building for a Absolutely. number of years. It has been. been windier for longer than it's ever been. And that has a huge effect on drying things out. And 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 taking yeah. things out of the plants. The the a bunch of the Enterprise Vineyards crew went through a um, some some certification class with the fire department with Cal Fire County Fire or something like that. So we can get permits. You don't have to wait. Sort of after the fact, we can get permits to go into properties that we manage during 
evacuation incidents. And one of the one of the pieces that, and it was during one of those like windy May days that those days of high, you know, high winds, especially that north dry north wind, that really drying wind, has as much drying effect on you know the plant materials as like a 110 degree day does yeah so so even though we yeah we have those foggy cold cool mornings those windy days in may and june were the same effect of you know just baking everything out yeah well bart we were talking earlier um you said the heat dome over canada has broken up a little bit and over portland etc well i i mean i i follow some people up in Oregon on Instagram and then someone from here in Sonoma was vacationing up in Oregon on the coast and they showed pictures this morning um, or last night of the fog had come in and it cooled it down and and so that's naturally going to make it cool down. Remember where else I heard it did cool down overnight in in Portland. I just um, I've just been watching the the weather, you know, the weather, and it seems, and you know, scroll through the seventeen weather apps that I have on my phone, uh, and you know, adding Portland and Seattle to the regularly searched, right? Uh, and it's and it's it, that the massive heat is broken. It's still you know in the eighties and nineties, which um, is is it's warm. It's just fine, but um, it's at least it's, it's not one hundred and twenty in yeah, Canada. Exactly. For Christ's sake, that well, was and you so see Canada is uh, you know Canada that. That town that basically hit 50 degrees Celsius um, is just got flattened, just burned down. The hospital burned, the firehouse burned. The, Seriously, the town of of Lytton, yeah, uh, spelled like spelled like Ridge Lytton Springs, L Y T T O N. Um, and I don't. I, this is just you know sort of incidental Twitter Twitter posts you kind of see as it as it flows by. But um, yeah, the t- the town in British Columbia that had the highest temperature ever recorded in the entire country of Canada ever. Um, like three days later, flattened. Hey, there's no climate change. No, it's not at all, man. Not at all. <laughs> all right. Hey, I was talking to Roger Randall earlier and he was just asking what's going on in the fields guys. And how's it looking? Because there are some things that are going on this year that are pretty damn unusual. I mean, the, the water, first of all, you know, the weather's been, pretty good i mean how's it growing i i mean i I, the the vineyards and i've been out to look at um i haven't been up to i was supposed to go up to mendocino today but um haven't been up there um but maybe tomorrow morning uh things around here to me i'm seeing a lot of even growth um throughout everything you know berries are all starting to size up I think um, set for the varieties I'm looking at, it, which is in and the I haven't seen the Mouvedre in in like a week because it's so far behind the Grenache. But um, everything seems to look good. I mean, there's a lot of grapes out there. I'm sure yeah. the guys are going to be dropping a lot of fruit. Sam, you should be talking about this more than me. But um, it, it 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 looks really nice. Um, it's funny though. I was in one Zinfandel vineyard, and there was an area that last year looked like it had some stress on it. Maybe some of the vines were. Um, not doing as well kind of on the edge and in an area where there's trees probably too close anyway and this year it looks worse than it did last year um so whether that's some sort of nematode thing or just the stress of drought and trees oak root fungus right yeah and just being in the shed in the shade Shade, of the the oak trees but it seems to be worse this year than last year i I mean i I think that that's kind of what you're seeing is places that had existing stressors you know, even with irrigation this year if you, you know if there was weakness uh, uh you know 
climate situation like this, weather situation like this, is going to expose those weaknesses. So, you know, the parts of the vineyards that had water issues anywhere, you know, what we end up with a lot in, you know, the the mountain vineyards is um, you'll have a in the middle of the vineyard, even if, you know, we ripped at 12 feet, you know, pre-planting, you have places where there's just a big rock underground. And so when you water there, the rock just pushes the water away. Um, so you get sort of weak spots in the, in the middle of the vineyard from those. And those weak spots are weaker this year than you'd expect them to be. Um, you know, so you'll, and, and what that does is you get really, um, short shoots, short can, you know, low, small canopies. And with that, you won't have the, the, um, photosynthesis, available to yeah, ripen a crop so even it if it does require good, leaves doesn't right, it? <laughs> you need leaves to convert you know sunlight into sugar basically uh and if you don't have enough leaves doesn't matter how much crop you have out there you're not going to get ripeness on it so that's when you know i think this is going to be again uh, it's the grape growers year it's a grape growers year for sure and, and it's going to be a year of of dropping crop um you know if you're if you're not fairly you know aggressive in your in your thinning um you're going to run into issues and it's not that you won't get it ripe to the point where you can ferment it and make wine but when you won't get it to a place where you get really good flavor and uh so so you know if you're going to drop 20 percent of your crop maybe this is a year that you go out and drop 25 or 30 percent of your crop um, and just to make sure that what you know what you're bringing in in, in October and September October is as good as it possibly can be, you know it's not a year to try and you know um, make up for last year. It's not definitely not a year to try and make up for last year. It's not a year to <laughs> not going to happen. Is it? Think that you can crop up and and you know get some extract more out of there than what should be. It's just a year to to not cut your losses, but you know, be realistic with, with what your yields are going to be. You know, what I've seen is we're probably going to be down anyway. Uh, just, you know, sort of the natural patterns, 18, 19 were, were big. 20 was crop, you know, sort of looking up to be big before, um, most of it got left out there. Um, so I, I think that, you know, naturally the vines kind of take a couple years off after three big years like that. Um, but I think this is a year to sort of, push lean into that lean into that smaller crop yield uh, got a question um what's phil's calendar look like right now <laughs> what's he doing um well so this is coming out on the 7th of october of, uh, of july, july. Yeah. Well, he's, october, he's about yeah. to he's a fuck <laughs> he, he's about to get in an airplane and fly to uh billy and the kids with billy strings two nights at red rocks and that's nice. out of Denver. Nice. Nice. Uh, Billy Kreitzman's band and Billy Strings, who's hot new, sort of uh, not that new, but uh, guy on the on the jam band scene with some bluegrass elements uh, to it. Kind of looks like a dirty lot kid, and then he gets on stage, and you're like, oh, oh man, not just a dirty lot kid. They were doing yeah, some really nice stuff. Oh, yeah, Billy out. Strings, go check out Billy Strings. Yeah. You'll that's definitely uh, you'll be digging Billy um, Strings on Kreitzman's uh, Facebook. He's got some youtube stuff oh it's yeah really nice from and from maui I yeah think, right well and then they did a, uh from Kauai. They Kauai. then they um kreitzman had an original and like an unproduced uncomposed uh robert hunter song called thunder 
and had Billy Strings write the music for it, and it's and it's killer. Um, so that's worth checking out. New Hunter material. Uh, new New Hunter oh, material. Wow. Right. Um, Takes me back to Ripple. So that's that's the thing on <laughs> Phil's calendar that I think um, is exciting. Uh, you know, this time of year, he's is you know the spring work is sort of wound down. There's still some planting and vineyard layout work going on. Um, a lot of it is is planning harvest and you know even into next year so you know like right now he's he's meeting with with winemakers um talking about you know what what they're looking to try and pull off out of out of 2021 and then the other piece of it is um getting ready for what would be the spring 2022 vineyard planting um schedule god he's working nine months ahead I, you know, nine months oh, ahead, has and, to, you know? and going to yeah, t- yeah, totally. You you have to, especially you know, the way logistics are sort of jumbled across the globe right now. Um, any kind of pre-planning you can do on any of these things, whether it's you know for for winery, you know, winery equipment, vineyard infrastructure equipment. Just like getting those orders in, uh, my wine glasses—the ones we're using right here in the tasting room—I just ordered like the last twelve boxes of these glasses that were in North America while they're waiting for a new container to show up. Uh, and that could be any could be some month. They, well, any what month. <laughs> my my glass rep told me to do was put an order in now, another order in now for like September or October because you might get it by November or December. So I talked to um, past guest, uh, friend of the podcast, Christoph Tisson, okay. uh, this morning, and they were supposed to bottle today. And they hit it on the glass. And the glass didn't show up. Yeah. No. Yeah. Shit. That's, that's, is that just in time yeah. delivery mess it's, up, or is that just um, where it's coming from? And it's it's where it's coming from. Do you use any local suppliers on the glass? Glass is difficult. There's yeah. there's only one California producer of glass and and they've kind of been overrun by popularity um so it's and then the rest of it comes out of either europe or well, mexico, mexico and china, china. Yeah. and it's the majority of it i think at this point comes out of china and i think it's all tied up on boats yeah it's all sitting in what a container mess. cars yeah you know shipping containers and that hasn't gotten any ports. better in the last month or so really no. No. i mean no. i just i've got a it's friend gotten, i think it's gotten it's, worse yeah. in the last yeah. couple yeah. Last month or so. um it, well he, he, all of his stuff is on the ocean they they don't have new containers right and right. they can't right yeah. well and that's the other thing is that there's no containers to load things so it, it's it's multiple layers and the stuff that's out there is getting old and going bad from what i hear they've got boats floating out there that just can't get in and they've got product that is going bad and that's it i don't know how you how you fix that i have no idea um, hopefully there's people smarter than us I'm trying to figure it out. Thanks. I, I, I like no idea. Pretty, no pretty high percentage of yeah. that's going on. Um, so I did send out um, a last-minute um, message to listeners if anybody had any questions, and we had a couple, a couple takers. So um, uh, is this is from Mr. Travis Barkley? Uh, is there a looming wine shortage, quote unquote, on the horizon due to the fires in 2020? Um, I, I mean, I think we've kind of alluded to this in the past. It really depends on what sort of wines you're looking at. Um, yeah. 
you know, what kind of price classification. I mean, there was there was a whole bunch of wine available. A lot of that got uh, bulk wine available, which, you know, tends to go to the lower priced, uh, more widespread um, uh, brands. Um, I think a lot of that all got um, consumed between COVID and um, especially now since what happened in 2020. So I, in my mind, I would think that that is kind of balanced out. Um, I'm sure individual wineries, it's all dependent on uh, where your inventory was before 2020 and what you did. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I was just having this conversation with um, probably Jasmine uh, about just like what we do in regards to 2020, you know, we'll, we will probably have some red wines, but you know, maybe 15% of our normal production. Um, so, you know, and, and then you kind of tack on that we had we were down a lot in seventeen also although not nearly as much. Eighteen and nineteen were both gigantic. Um and you know, with sixteen six hundred the model is a little bit different and we have all these you know, small lots and small skews, so I can kind of stretch things and hold things back and um, you know, cover any of those sort of gaps that we're gonna have. Um but I, I think in general the the shortfall of 2020 was was wiped away by the glut of 18 and 19 you know in the wine market and that's both both on the the bulk market but i think you know within individual wineries i know most people have more 18s and 19s than they expected um so that'll sort of smooth over some of those gaps i think you know, if we, when we run into trouble, and I don't just mean individually, but I think industry-wide, is if you start running into more than one 2020-type, you know, devastating disaster vintage. How, uh, how many can in, you in have in a row? row. Yeah, I don't, you know, if 2021, <laughs> you know, has similar sort of problems, um, then, then I think you start to worry about, you know, um, and and... I don't think, you know, Travis Barkley is in the Carolinas, right? I don't think you ever would, like, go into a grocery store and and not right. have wine, but I think you can go into the grocery store or your wine shop and see that prices have gone up. Right. Um, I think that's coming anyway with the price of glass, the price of, you know, labor, the, the way that things are shipping. Are shipping. Um, you know, I think everybody... I know we are, you know, what kind of, you know, what sort of room do we have to to raise our prices a little bit and and um, make up for some of those added you know increased expenses um, you know it's it's tenuous of course anytime you talk about that but um, I think in in general those things are coming and if there's a another 2020 vintage in the next couple of years um, then probably Just, be yeah, even yeah, more so exacerbate it yeah totally. seriously so, speaking of Jasmine Jasmine you were mentioned her just a shout out to her. We went to the fig last night and had the best damn meal and had her as our server and she was incredible. And we had Steve Law's, Samantha's Vineyard, Syrah, and it was wonderful. So big shout out to the fig that they are cranking. They were great. Saw Phil and Arden there last night and Uncle and Bobby. Pod- and podcast listeners, uh, Jesse and Ashley Wood were there. Absolutely. So it was a big party. Big last party night. at the it fig. It was really Just fun. Like the old days. So big shout out and thank you. 
So here's a, another question from Three Frenches. Okay. Any thoughts on using paper bottles for wine that's meant to be drank fresh? So the problem with the paper bottles is that they all have plastic on the inside. Right. Uh, you know, so you're, you're talking a milk carton. No, I'm t- you know, there's this like cardboard sort of, you know, any of the like cardboard versions of wine vessel, whether it's a box or these like paper bottle, you know, they kind of look like bottles, but they're, you know, they're bottle shaped, but, but sort of like molded paper. Yeah, you get water in a, bo- uh, in a box. Yeah, now, but too. then, so with the problem, the, so like the box of water or like a box of milk, uh, the liner of that wouldn't stand up to the acidity of wine. Of wine. So the wine would just eat right through it. So, you know, those things end up being plastic lined. So maybe there's some, like, carbon footprint uh, kind of, you know, savings as far as shipping with that. But um, but does the plastic uh, right. Does the plastic cancel that right. out? You know, I bought, like, a cardboard bottle of uh, laundry detergent that you're supposed to, like, recycle the box when you're done. But you have to take the box apart and take the freaking plastic bag that the laundry detergent is really in outside of, you know, from the bag, throw that away. And then it's a, so I, I you know, um, well, I think we need a little more technology till we're there. Yeah. I, I as far as non-traditional and, you know, we've said this a lot and now we've sort of put the, put my money where my mouth is on it. Um, <laughs> as far as non-traditional wine packaging goes, um, I don't know if we have anything once you if you you're saying I don't want a 750 glass bottle I think it's a can. Uh, well how and, is your can line doing? Uh well by the time this goes out if you haven't ordered any yet you better hurry up and if you have ordered it and need more you really better hurry up because it's uh it started out much taller than I am and now it's shorter than I am let's just put it, let's just put it that way we're uh, I think we're down to Probably sixty cases. Hey, left they are like great that. patio pounders, man. It's just perfect, you know. And it, it, it in no way impacts the wine in a negative fashion. No, I Not mean, you know, it's um, at least in its the first six months of its life, which you know we're still in. We're not even at. It's not even been two months uh, as we speak um, that has been in the can. I, I don't think there's been any sort of detrimental effect on the wine. You know, I will stash a bunch of them away. I've got to hide them from Paul and Jasmine so they don't try and sell it. But I will stash some away and so that we can, you know, when we when we make it next year, because we will, um, open last year's next to it and see kind of, you know, when it's fresh and see see how it tastes and see what the, you know, if there has been... The learning, the learning moment. Yeah, exactly. What have you found out from people who've had those lines out there for a couple of years? Did they find any degradation? After? You're still working they're on still, that. I think they're still working on it. Yeah, I mean, I've, um, I when I went out and spent a week at the uh, on the coast a couple like a month ago, um, I went into a, a a little store that had a whole bunch of different canned wines, you know, individuals for sale, and I bought a bunch of them. Um, did a little market research, uh, and. You know, the fresher ones definitely taste better. Um, you know, I had some that was, I had one that was like, you know, after I I'd opened it, drank it, and then I sort of like searched around on the can for when it was made. Uh, and it was, so this was 20, it was probably a 2018 vintage. Um, and it had definitely been in the can for too long. And I don't know if that's just the wine or the wine in the can. Um, 
And, you know, maybe it didn't taste good before they put it into the can. Yeah, I don't really know. That's what I was um, thinking. Yeah. <laughs> but it definitely is like, you know, you're, you're not putting these cans in your cellar for no you put it in the fridge right. you and you're gonna drink fridge, them. boom you're done. gonna drink it and yeah. you know by they're, the time they're you know you're not even gonna know they're gone by the time you reach for the last one you know right i mean it, you're doing it for the learning to make a better canned wine there's no reason that anybody should be putting saving cans of wine and um for right. drinking no, no, them down no, no, the no. road I'm, let's I'm just do it because right. for the a slave to right. the the you know, innovation process and, you know, progression of, of what we're doing. Um, I so. will say that this, um, bedrock Monterosa vineyard a week after we opened it. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's 10 days later. <laughs> okay. Maybe two days, two later, days later is tasting really good. Yeah. Really good. It's, you know, this is not a, a wine for the faint at heart. There's definitely some tan in there and some structure. Oh yeah, it was. Um, it was a big one. Okay. Uh, okay. Anybody who you would think one? that like, yeah, uh, wines one. for the fourth. Mm. What do you? Uh, wines what for the you, fourth. What are you going to be drinking? Other than cans of rosé all day long. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a good question. I I will be spending the evening of the fourth with my father. So I imagine the wine will be good. Uh, he's been drinking a lot of like old Spanish and Italian wine lately, so maybe it'll be something like that. Uh, speaking of Ashley and Jesse Woods, they gifted a uh, like special edition bottle of, bur- of Bullet Bourbon when they came through the tasting room, uh, and my dad is a is a bourbon fan, so I think we'll probably bust that open for a little Fourth of July toast. Where are you guys going to be over the fourth? Uh, double secret location All right. in Tahoe. <laughs> so, along that, since you said it, is there a separate cellar for Tahoe, or do you bring guys bring wines up? There's, uh, there's a, there's. Good. So the magic of Tahoe is it's basically a great place to store wine, right? Um, so, and especially like our cabin's pretty dark, got some pretty dark corners. So there's just like a corner basically of the living room that has, I don't know, there's probably. 60, 80 bottles. Yeah. Nice. Rack. Shelf. All, all ready to be drunk. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, if it's like, if you don't tell him that you drank it, he doesn't know that it was there. So, but if you go, hey, I'm going to open this bottle that's been here for two years, then you get pushback. Um, so, yeah, it's all, you know, it's all stuff that kind of, that's probably half of it is 16600. It's definitely a place where lots of bottles of 16600 get given to people. Um, so, so that but people appreciate stocked, that. Keep it stocked in for sure. Oh right. uh, yeah, you know people in ta- you know especially if you have people who live up there, local folks who are you know helping out at the house or you right. know, keep just keeping an eye on things. You know, you throw a couple bottles away. Bot- you know, perfect. When when the snowcat when the when the snowplow guy comes to clean the driveway the first to the first big storm and you know you run out there in a jacket and your pajamas and and hand him a bottle of wine to drive home with. You know, all of a sudden your driveway gets plowed earlier, <laughs> you know, in the day than everybody else's. Smart. Smart. A little bit cleaner. A little bit cleaner. A little, you know, the, the, the pile of, like, moved snow on your neighbor's side gets a little bit higher and yours is a little less. <laughs> uh, fireworks or not for Sonoma coming up here, man. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, I went out on, on record uh, suggesting that this might not be a great year to and it's not like I think 
fireworks are going to, you know, city-sanctioned, state-sanctioned fireworks lit off by firefighters are going to cause fires, because they probably won't. And certainly, it's not like whether we have fireworks or not is going to, you know, official fireworks going to lessen anybody's unofficial fireworks, which are the ones that are going to cause fires. It's more, you know... Fireworks are literally public relations. It's PR. If yeah, you're the fire department, chamber of commerce. Uh, say, hey, it's a drought. It's a f- high fire danger. We're gonna not do them this year. Instead, why don't we? They're gonna take the twenty thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars, whatever it costs to light the fireworks off, and donate it to, you know, some people, some farmers without water. I, I don't know. Whatever it is, yeah. I think it would have gone a long way. But um, and, and then, the firefighters really like to light those fireworks off in Sonoma, and it's <laughs> everybody comes around town and cheers for them. And I can't, I can't begrudge them that. Right. So and, I won't be here for it. <laughs> uh, you and, know, it's and, interesting. We can sit on our upper deck, and we have a perfect yeah. view. You can of see them from just about every. I mean, not yeah. too far up the valley, but you can see them from all over town. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, 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 I have I enjoyed them. it. I love the Snowman fireworks. Seriously. I just think that this They've might be nice the right year for it. End of a pandemic. Some weird well, here's the interesting thing. Drought. It literally like just burned last week right around where they fired the right. fireworks off. This is this is going to air after it. Right. Uh, so when, when so people listen to it, they'll <laughs> either go, well, nothing happened in Sonoma. Or they'll go, oh, <laughs> Sonoma. <laughs> yeah. Um, but right. where are you going to so, be? So <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to be here. Dane leaves for away camp uh, for two weeks on the 4th. Um, so uh, we're going to be just up in the neighborhood, a uh, little neighborhood uh, celebration. Uh, no fireworks. No fireworks. Um, we have a new sign in our neighborhood, one of those um, fire pressure signs. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and they set it extreme from the start. So right. um, put it up, put the dial all the way over yeah. to the right. It actually in- even leans a little farther to the right than what it's supposed to. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and so that's us. And then I'm actually going up to Tahoe for a couple of days to ride my bike next week. So Nice. Um, okay, two more questions that I think we've kind of talked about, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sh- shout them out to see if anybody has anything to add to it. Um, from Wine Tour Sherpa, um, how is this growing season compared to others? And then Braden Hamby, um, how is heat affecting how harvest is shaping up? Looks like an early, um, light, short harvest. I, I think we've kind of covered those, but Sam, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, pop in on any one, either one of them. Yeah, you know, I, um, the thing about the heat and I don't. I'm not necessarily convinced we're in for an early harvest, right? Which, which is concerning because the longer we go into fire season, the more chance of fire. That's how that works. Um, but you know, it, see, we was, used to say the farther it goes into the season, the more chance of rain. Right. And we don't say that. Anymore. No, we would. I think that there. You know, nobody's going. Everybody's like, oh, it's raining in October. Darn. No, I think that this is a year. I shouldn't fucking say that. But this is a year that if it rains during harvest, we'll be like, at least it's not a fire. Um, We had, you know, it was an early spring, but a really long bloom. And while it's been dry in those drying winds, um, the way that that our like heat spikes have hit, I think have sort of only slowed vine growth. Um, I don't know if it's pushed 
you know, grape readiness um, in any direction. So I'm not convinced we're in for an early harvest. I, I do agree it's a lighter harvest. So, you know, when you have a lighter crop, maybe it ripens a little bit faster. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not sure that that's the direction we're headed right now. You know, if we end up with a bunch more really hot runs between now and, you know, the end of August, maybe that'll be different. Um, and, you know, as far as this growing season compared to others... Yeah, I think we've we've covered that a lot, but you know we're we're very used to drought, uh, and grapes really, you know, in general like like drought. Um, I'm not sure that this level of, of drought is is what we want uh, as far as putting out good, you know, high quality wines and grapes. But um, you know, is as we've sort of said, if you're prepared for it from a vineyard infrastructure standpoint and from a soil health standpoint, you know, you you'll be all right. Um, so. oh, cool. what's it like with that heat that just was up in Oregon? How did that affect their crops? So I, 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 talked saw to anybody? Somebody, I saw somebody post about this and it's kind of along the same lines. You know, this is the time of year when you want the vines to stop growing up and to take that energy and start putting it into sizing up the berries, which is basically like survival survival. Right. So, so in a, you know, in a, in a big winter, you know, the big winter and lots of soil moisture, we'd be all like running the hedgers and, and cutting off the tops of the vines and kind of, you know, stopping that upward growth and pushing it into, you know, down into the fruit zone. Um, so what I was reading about what happened in, you know, in like the Willamette and, and up in, in Oregon and Washington is that's where they would have been anyway, sort of like trying to transition the vines from, that's from good vegetal then. growth into, into the fruit zone. Um, so th- in a way, that extreme heat, it's way better now than it would have been in you know, August or September when they have you know, grapes ripening, and it'll sort of stunt those, that, that vegetal growth uh, and, and maybe push it into the vines a little bit. So, I, you know, from that standpoint, again, as far as, like, crops go, grapes can probably handle it right now better than a lot of other things. I saw pictures of, you know, vegetable gardens and farms up there that, you know, just, you know, cr- looked like... You know, have you ever done, like, kale chips in the oven where you put the <laughs> kale chips in the oven and you put the oven on, like, really low, like 180, you know, whatever, like, the lowest temperature your oven can go, and the kale leaf sort of stays in place, but it becomes crunchy and crispy. And that's like what gardens looks like. <laughs> it's just like, this is like, you know, the, you the spinach pick. literally just like, yeah, it didn't wilt because it dried too fast to wilt. It just like fried. It was like the air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to make the chips. You, yeah, can you just, just pick, pick them. Pick the chips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. right. Well, listen, Sam, I know we have to get you out of here. Yeah, I got to get out of here. I I do have an event announcement. Okay. Uh, July 25th. Oh, good. Stanley Mouse will be at the Tasting House uh, with a bunch of artwork, new pieces, old pieces, here signing books. Uh, It is a 16600 Phil sent me member only and invited guests. Um, but it's sort of like a, a soft opening trial run vinyl Sunday. Um, so that vibe, but it's not, it's not just open house, open to the public RSVP members only, please. Um, so Sunday afternoon, the 25th of July and Bart, you were supposed to, um, last week we were supposed to hype that you're taking over Sonoma's best yesterday. 
Um, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Todd texted me about. He's like, "Oh, tell Bart to hype this." I was like, "Well, it's going to come out the day after." But how did your event at Sonoma's Best go? You know, it was outstanding. Uh, you know, Todd has a great group of people there, and they're always very supportive of everything he does. Um, Todd, thank you very much. Uh, ah, damn, just two days short. Not even a week short. Just two days short. Hey, I, I gotta um, hype up uh, the Wachika Music Festival. Oh, fuck yeah! By um, given by folk, folk, uh, excuse me, folk yeah, folk yeah. Uh, Jeff Bunchu and folk yeah present Wachika uh, Sonoma October fifteenth and sixteenth. Um, hey, the birthday. lineup of dreams. Yeah, it's the lineup of dreams right there from Sam uh, Sam Katuri. Ultimately, Sam and I are hoping that Jeff will hook us up and and get us at least someone who's into wine. Devendra Banhart like some red wine. Get him on the show. What do yeah. you think, Jeff? Yep. I know you're listening right now. Right. Well, that's the great thing is now he's listening, even when he doesn't want to be. So uh, get your tickets at Wachika Music Festival. How do you spell Wachika, Bart? H U I C H. C-H-I-A, Wachika, H-U-I-C-H-A, a music festival. Or just go to the gun bun, yeah. Yeah, G- gun bun. G- <laughs> gbwines.com. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, oh, you know, shout out. It, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Um, the Tour de France is going on right now. Um, I always watch the Tour de France and try to drink wherever, what, whatever region they're in. So right now they're in the Loire. So what do they go yeah, in the um, Loire? Shannon, uh, uh, Cabernet Franc. Oh, okay. And Shannon, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of Pinot Noir. Um, and, and it was a Shannon Blanc. I was yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. Do you know Who the, makes Shannon Blanc? Do you make Shannon Blanc? I hear Morgan's going to be making <laughs> oh, Shannon Blanc. Bedrock makes Shannon. Right. Well, I'll finally try Shannon Blanc. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So so anyway, um, shout out to Mark Cavanich. He's definitely not listener of the show, but you know, basically thinking that his career in cycling was over at the ripe age of 30, 32 years old, and he won his second last minute call up to the tour, won his second sprint today, um, uh, on track to beat the record for the most wins. And just if you guys watch the last 10 minutes of these races, if you can't put, sit through the three and a half or four hours that I watch, uh, <laughs> oh, some outstanding racing going on. You're not yeah, a winemaker exactly. with nothing to do in the end of June. I always have my computer open. <laughs> hey, we, we love watching those. I, I do it for, you know, the locale. The, I mean, that's, yeah. The, and did they, I hear they arrested the lady who, Knocked everybody the, the, over. Uh, who like caused a multi bike pileup? <laughs> Big multi. Well, doing, I, doing it I, for the gram. Yeah, right. she's a fucking influencer. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing is if you do like seeing carnage, um, the carnage this year on the bike rides has just been incredible. Like, you, you can just watch it and feel the pain. Anyway, um. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, with that, just listen to it and feel the pain. The winemakers. <laughs> All right. Drink more Shannon Blanc. Everybody, (laughs) thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.